excited to be here because you guys are awesome. Uh, but I'm also excited to be here because God's Word's awesome and we get to do that together. So it's going to be so much fun to have a chance to share with you. Uh, my name is Landon Galloway and I am the director of Destiny Leadership Institute. And so uh, we are a two-year online program that uh, allows students that want to know more about the Bible. And I, I believe that knowing more about the Bible is, is so important in the day and age that we live in. Uh, we live in a, in a culture that is post-truth, so we need to know the truth more than we have ever need to know the truth. So uh, we believe that you need a, an easy, affordable way to learn about the Bible and learn some principles that you can use to lead in the local church. Uh, so we've created a program that is, uh, that is user-friendly, that is manageable with your schedule. And I have several students from the hills that will be joining in the fall, and I want to invite you to join them as well. I'll be out in the lobby to talk to you if you want more details about how it works or how you can get involved. I will mention that if you sign up by the end of July, we're going to give you your first uh, year's books for free. So that is a big, big blessing right there. Uh, So be sure to talk to me after service. Uh, I want to dive into the text, but before I do that, uh, we're going to look at the story of Jonah in just a minute. But before I get there, I want to just, every time that I've came, my wife and children normally come with me. This is the fourth year in a row, or maybe even the fifth year in a row that I've been here at the Hills. And we have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. So every time that we've came for the past several years, we were either pregnant or had a newborn, or pregnant and had a newborn. So I just wanna, I'm just here to testify about the goodness of God. Right now, we are neither pregnant nor have a newborn. I mean, that's just such a, thank you, God. I just want to make a little praise break. Um, so my girls, they're awesome. They're 13 months apart. They are fun. Uh, this is what we have been dealing with. This happened this very weekend, that picture I'm about to show you. Uh, my wife is driving, and the oldest one finds her lipstick and decides to apply it to herself. And, you know, she's like, she has no motor skills, so she's, she's trying. She looks like Ron McDonald, like all this is red. But, but, like, she was very generous with her sister, though. She, like, for herself, she at least tried to hit the lips. But for her sister, she's like, yeah, this will work. All over that. <laughs> so, uh, so beautiful. I don't know. It's like Fourth of July. She got it with this. Like, she needs some stars by that other eye, and it looks all patriotic. I don't looking beautiful there. But the little one, she's eighteen months old, and she just learned to walk like a month ago. And we're so grateful for that because therapy is expensive. And so we're like, look, I've not hit my deductible yet. So if you don't mind, could you please walk, child? Like, <laughs> please. I mean, we want you to develop normally, but most of all, that deductible, like that's, that's some serious stuff right there. Um, so she just learned to walk. But now that she's learned to walk a little bit, uh, she thinks that she can outrun me. And she's just learning to walk. Like she's just putting one foot in front of the other. And she already thinks that she can outrun me. So if I tell her to go one way, she takes off running the other way. Or she takes some candy or something she's not supposed to have, like lipstick. She thinks that she can get away from me. And I'm like, look, I've ran six marathons. <laughs> I'm really proud of you that you're learning to walk, you know, good, good for you. But I've been doing this for a long time. And so, I mean, we celebrate your milestone and all, but the fact is, the fact is, it's like, you're not near as good as this at, at, at this as I am. And today we're going to look at the story of Jonah and what we're going to see from Jonah's life is that Jonah thought that he could outrun the God of the universe. <laughs> and God is looking down like, oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> Isn't that special? Look at you, Jonah. So Jonah thinks that he can outrun the sovereign God of the universe, and I'm going to propose to you that it would be easier for my, for my 18-month-old to outrun me than for me to outrun God. Amen. 
Let's look at this story together. Jonah chapter 1. Read the first couple verses together. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So the first thing I want to say is that I feel like Tarshish has too many shh in it. Like, <laughs> I think it should be either Tarshish or Tarshish, but like the shh, it's just, I, and then there's a ship going to Tarshish. It's kind of confusing to me. It's I just, I, have a, I struggle with this. But, um, but so Jonah is, is called by God. God speaks to Jonah, and God tells Jonah two things that we would all love to hear arise and go. Like, don't we all want to hear God say, hey, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a call for you. I've chosen you to do something big. I want you to get up and go. We all all love that. Part A is awesome. Then he finishes the sentence. Like, God, I wish you would have left it at arise and go. Because I want you to rise and go to Nineveh. See, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Assyria is is Israel's greatest enemy at the time. Matter of fact, a few years after our story, Assyria will conquer the nation of Israel and those northern ten tribes who constituted Israel will forever be lost because of the power of the Assyrians. So God isn't just telling him to go preach judgment or or to go, go preach. He's telling him to go to the enemy, his greatest enemy, and pronounce God's uh, uh, desire to see them to repent. What I want you to see this morning is that God sometimes calls us to uncomfortable places. See, we love the arise and go, <laughs> but the to Nineveh is the problem. To uncomfortable places is the problem. To love our enemies, that's the problem. To reach out to those who aren't like us, that is the problem. See, whenever I was younger, like, I've always wanted to be a preacher, like from the time I was a little boy. You'll never see this, but there's actual video evidence that's under lock and key now of me and my Superman whitey tidies at four years old just preaching from the mantle of the fireplace. And, and then I was bringing the house down. Like, I've actually gotten much worse since I was four. Like, I, I, I peaked early, right? And I was, I was preaching the house down. And then I took up an offering because, you know, the allowance wasn't quite enough. So between my mom and my dad and my sister, I got a couple bucks. Uh, I'm out just past the offering bucket around. But then I got older and I became a teenager. And I got disillusioned by things I saw in church and got my feelings hurt over a few things. And then I, I realized that ministry was about serving others. And, you know, let's be honest, I, I much prefer to be served myself. Uh, like, I, I, I realized that I would not have the same... Uh, control over my destiny that I saw my friends have, that, like that they were going into college to do things that you'd actually know you would get a job and, and get paid and stuff like that. And, and I wanted to do something. And like I began to see the sacrifices that ministry would take. And so I was all about the get up and go <laughs> until I heard the to Nineveh, uh, until I heard the to a life that's not certain, to, to, to a place that is not certain. So get up and go is great. But you got to finish the sentence. Get up and go to Nineveh. And here's how Jonah responds to that. Jonah's like, okay, yeah, I'll get up and go, all right. But I'm going to Tarshish. 
Tarshish, shish, shish. It's so confusing. It's like that place has, uh, th- that was as far east as you could go, but God had called him to Nineveh, which was as far west as you can go. So Jonah not only didn't obey God, Jonah went as far as he possibly could in the other direction. This is, a, this is next level type rebellion and stubbornness here. He didn't just say no. <laughs> he said, oh, you want me to go to L.A.? I'm going to New York. Like, you want me to go west? I'm going, I'm going as far away from your plan as possible. I, I'm going in a different direction. And so now he gets on the boat. Now, why did Jonah run? I think there are three reasons why Jonah ran. First of all, he ran because of fear. Did you know that fear is the number one obstacle to you living out God's plan and call for your life? Right, like, it's the number one obstacle. See, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, they hated Israel. Israel hated them. They were at war for a very long time. And the Ninevites were very cruel. They would, would kill men, women, and children, had no problem with that. They would, they would, uh, whenever they killed Israeli soldiers, they would keep their skulls as necklaces and wear them around their neck as badges of honor. These were cruel people. And so Jonah is being sent into an enemy land. It's a little bit like the missionary who was sent to a cannibal tribe, and God told him to deliver the message on how the bread of heaven is here. <laughs> you know, like this is not, <laughs> he, is, he is putting himself in a very precarious situation. These people want to kill him. And so fear keeps him from living out the call of God in his life. Now, look, I don't think we're at a place right now where you've got to worry about your skull being worn as a necklace around someone's head, but, but fear will still keep you from all that God has for you. Like, okay, God, if I do that, what are people going to think about that? People aren't going to understand. Fear will keep you from your destiny. But there's a deeper, deeper level here than just fear. He also is dealing with pride. In chapter 3, we don't have time to look at this, but it's one of my favorite parts of the story. Uh, he's, getting, he's angry at God. He says, God, why are you sending me to Nineveh? Because here's what's going to happen. You told me to preach judgment. I'm going to go and tell them that they're going to be judged and destroyed, and then they're going to repent. <laughs> and you're going to forgive them, and I'm going to look stupid. <laughs> because what I said was going to happen didn't happen. In other words, God, I don't want to go there and preach repentance to them and judgment, and then they repent, and then you don't do it, and then it's going to make me look like I was wrong. Man, pride will keep you from, your, from God's purpose for your life. That, that, that's why Jonah went the other way, was this, this feeling of, of pride. Feeling of pride. Finally, and probably most importantly, I think, the biggest thing that kept Jonah from filling out God, uh, fulfilling God's purpose for his life is the problem of prejudice. See, Jonah had no problem going and preaching and proclaiming. It was just to the Ninevites, the enemy, that's what he had the problem with. See, the Ninevites, it was their job to destroy Israel. So the best thing for Jonah and his nation, the best thing for Jonah and his political desires, the best thing for Jonah and Jonah's state of life at the time was for God to destroy the Ninevites rather than save them. 
But I'm here to tell you today that God so loves the world, that God wants everyone to be saved. But we've got to be very careful, especially in this political and social climate that we live in, where it's us versus them and good versus bad and right versus left and Democrat versus Republican and, and millennials versus Gen Xers. We've got to be very careful that we don't label people so much that we hate them and want to see them destroyed rather than see God save them. We've got to be very careful that we're willing to go wherever God calls us to go and to see everyone saved. Is there anyone in your life that you would rather see God destroy than save? And if so, you are never going to see God's purposes for you. Because God wanted him, like the best thing for Jonah would be for them to be destroyed. The best thing for national security. The best thing for Jonah's state of life would be for them to be destroyed. But God wanted to save them. God wanted to give them a chance. See, God loves everyone. In the book of Acts, Peter's very first sermon, he preaches and he says that, that what's happening is going to fulfill the prophecy of Joel. And Joel said this, that God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. See that the word pour out is, is equivalent to a dam bursting. In other words, in the last days and in, in the revival that God wants to send to his people in the, in, the, in the times that we live in, that revival, everyone will experience the spirit of God. All people is what God desires. It's a dam bursting. But what you and I have done and the church has done is we've connected a water hose <laughs> And we've tried to select who gets the presence and power of God. God's desire is to pour out all people. It's like, oh, oh, look, do you share my worldview? Because if so, yep, you got it. You got it. You got it. Oh, no, no, not, not you. You go to what church? No, you voted how? No. Well, we're trying so hard to control who gets it and who doesn't. But God's desire is for all people to be saved. The people group that you have the most difficult time loving the people group who, who just make you so angry, the, the people who post things on Facebook that make you sad about the state of humanity, God loves them. God wants them to be saved, and God may use you to do it. So that's the issue that Jonah, so Jonah gets on the boat. He's ready to get out of here. Goes the opposite direction. But before he gets on the boat, the text says, if you, if you remember, it says that he paid his own ticket. I mean, he paid for his ticket and got on the boat. You know, if you run from God's purpose on your life, you will have to pay your own way. <laughs> like, if you follow what God wants you to do, then he'll give you the provision. He'll give you the peace. He'll sustain you. It's, it's going to happen for you. However, if you decide to go your own way, God will say, okay, fine, go your own way. But I'm not paying for that ticket. <laughs> you, you are. How many of you have been in some relationships where God did not pay for the ticket? <laughs> like, like you decided that's what you wanted. God's like, ah, that's not what I have for your life. But if you insist, go, but I'm not in it, so have fun. <laughs> and maybe it's a career choice or maybe it's a, it's a ministry choice or where you go to church or how you raise your kids. If you try to do things your own way, God will allow you just be prepared to pay for it yourself. If you want to know if you're on the right track or not, just ask yourself a simple question of who paid for your ticket. Are you doing this on your own strength, with your own resources, or are you trusting in God to do it? So he paid his own ticket. He gets on the boat, and they're cruising along. At first, everything's good. Things are peaceful, so peaceful that Jonah's able to take a nap. You know, I don't ever get to a place where I'm able to sleep whenever I'm outside of the will of God. 
just to sleep peacefully. It's a dangerous place to be in where Jonah is. He's laying there, and God sends a storm. You know, there is a, a level of maturity that we need to reach as Christians. And that level of maturity is not to just praise God in the good times, but also to praise God in the bad times. That, that we have to learn to praise God in the storm. Whenever storms come, we've got to learn that God is good no matter what and that we love him and that we sing his praises and worship. Like it's anyone can praise God whenever life's good, right? Yeah. But can you praise him when life's not good in the middle of the storms? That's, that's a next level of Christian maturity. But you know that's not the final level of Christian maturity. The final level is not whenever you can just praise God in the storm, but to praise God for the storm. Because the storm was the only thing that was going to bring Jonah to his destiny. The storm was the only way to get him from where he was to where God called him to be. I'm here to tell you, I don't know why you have faced the storms you have faced. And I I can't give you good reasons why you've been through the things that you've been through. But what I do know is that if you are a believer, God will use that storm to get you to his purpose for your life. And so whenever a storm comes, I don't just praise him in it. I'm going to praise him for it. Because if it was not for the storm, I wouldn't be where I am today. That, That if I hadn't made some bad decisions or if life hadn't turned out the way it did and the things that I didn't understand why God was doing what he was doing in those moments he was bringing me to his purpose for my life see Jonah didn't curse the waves if if you're like Jonah you don't need to you don't need to like be so upset that the storm came the storm came instead you need to say I'm so grateful that this storm is here because this storm is the only way I'm going to get to where I'm going you need to be careful if life is always calm seas like if there are no challenges in life, those are, those are seasons where you need to check yourself because Jonah could have sailed on calm seas for a long time, getting further and further and further away from the will of God. And we live in a society that tells us that life is supposed to be easy and that we're not supposed to deal with pain and that if we feel any pain whatsoever, we try to fix it immediately and, and we always want our lives to be smooth and easy and good. But listen, if the sea is too easy, you could very easily be drifting away from where God has for you to go. And then what happens when he sends a storm is he takes a little ease out of your life, but he's only doing that to get you to where you need to be in the first place. So God sends the storm. I'm so thankful that God sends storms sometimes to take me where I need to be. So storm comes, it's going to capsize the boat. Jonah and uh, Jonah sleeping. Let me just say, I never want to be in a place as a Christian where I'm able to sleep while others are working and worried about the storm. Like, I don't ever want to be indifferent to the storm around me. I don't, I don't ever want to be indifferent to the things that are going on in our world and in our society. And I'm sleeping and everyone else is concerned. But like, hey, I'm just kind of hanging out here waiting to go to heaven. Like, I want to be awake and alert and fully active into the storms that are around us. And I don't want the world to outwork the church. Because they're out working, they're throwing stuff off the boat, they're praying to their gods, they're making sacrifices, and Jonah's just chilling, <laughs> sleeping. And so they wake him up and say, Jonah, what's going on? We've got to figure out what's going on. And Jonah says, look, here's what's going on. I'm running from God. God sent this storm so that I can get to, to where he wants me to go. And the only way the storm's going to stop is for you to throw me overboard. But did you know that was not the only way the storm would have stopped? At that moment, Jonah could have dropped down on his knees and said, Lord, I'm sorry, 
get me back to port and I will go to Nineveh like you've called me to go to Nineveh. But Jonah hated the Assyrians so much that God, that Jonah was so opposed to what God had called him to do. He said, I would literally rather be thrown off this boat and die than to fulfill the purposes that God has for my life. This is a next level of stubbornness. Like you just thought your spouse was stubborn. Like Jonah, like, no, I'll, I'll die. I will literally die first. Those are our enemies. They're, those are people that are threatening our nation. Those are people that I can't stand. I would literally rather die than go in where you want me to go. So he gets thrown overboard. And the storm stops and the sailors are all good and fine. But then it says in the text we're about to read that God appointed a great fish. I love this. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. When Jonah didn't go to Nineveh, God sent a storm. Whenever the storm caused Jonah to be thrown overboard, God arranged for a fish to swallow him. See, you thought that you were the author of your own story. (laughs) You thought you were making your decisions to make your life turn out the way that you wanted it to. But what if I told you that even in the middle of your rebellion and stubbornness, that God is still authoring your story. He's still working it all out for his purposes and for his good, that God is the author of your story, not you. (laughs) So God arranges the fish and the fish swallows up Jonah. And Jonah lays in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. I told you this guy is next level stubborn. Because after about three minutes of being in in the belly of a fish, okay, God, what do I have to do? (laughs) I'll go to Nineveh. I'll marry a Ninevite. Like, I don't care. Like, just get me out of here. Like, I do not. But three, it took, that's 36 hours inside of the belly of a fish. Or no, I'm sorry, 72. 72 hours. I'm not good at math. I'm just good at preaching. Sorry. Uh, All that time. And finally, Jonah's like, okay, you win, God. You win, and he begins to to pray. Let's read this together. We're going to start in verse uh, 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. (laughs) Jeez. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. In other words, when Jonah prayed, he was immediately transported from where he was in the belly of a well to the holy temple of God. That even after all the rebellion, even after all the sin, 
even after all the wrong decisions, even after everything that he had done, he was only one prayer away from being in the presence of God again. Only one. See, I told you earlier that God's presence is for everyone. That it doesn't matter if you're a Ninevite or an Israelite. It doesn't matter what worldview you hold. It doesn't matter what political position you hold. God's presence is for everyone. God's desire is to pour his spirit upon all people. That's what God wants. Right? So God is for everyone. His presence is for, I don't have a monopoly on it. You don't have a monopoly. Like God's presence is for everyone. But it's not just available for everyone. It's available from anywhere. Not just for everyone, but from anywhere. That Jonah in the belly of a well, through one single prayer, felt the fullness of the power and presence of God. If you were to ask Jonah, Jonah, what do you see right now? Jonah would say, I see the utter darkness. Jonah, what do you smell right now? Something like rotting fish. Jonah, what do you feel right now? I I feel squishy intestines. Jonah, what do you hear right now? I hear those squishy intestines processing food. Jonah, what do you smell right now? I smell the stench of dead fish. Jonah, where are you right now? And Jonah would say, I'm in the very presence of God. I've entered into the holy temple of the Lord. That just because my condition is here, I'm only one prayer away from being in a different position. Listen to me. Don't let your condition define you. Don't let what you're going through in life right now define you. It's not your condition. It's your position. And one prayer away from being in the belly of a well to being in the presence of God. So you might be in a dark place right now. You might be in a difficult spot right now. But let me tell you something. Even if you're in a dark place and a difficult spot, you're only one prayer away from experiencing the full presence and power of God. See, we know the end of the story. Eventually, Jonah gets vomited up on the shores of Nineveh. And you know, God has to chuckle. He's like, you know, you could have just taken the boat. <laughs> like, there was a much more direct route. You know, it's like whenever Siri sends you all over the place. Like, just know there's, there's an easier way. Like you, like, you know, God's like, man, I told you, you were going to Nineveh, man. Like, there was an easier way to get there. He finally gets, we know that part where he gets to Nineveh. But before he was delivered from the belly of a well, he was delivered in the belly of a well. And before his circumstances changed, before his condition changed, his position changed. And what I wish I could do this morning is I wish we could form a prayer line and I could pray for every one of you and that the moment that that you walk out these doors, your life would be different than it was whenever you walked in. And that the things that you've been battling would just be over, that your marriage would be better, that your kids would come back to Jesus, that that addiction that you've been facing would be defeated. I I don't know what you're facing. And I wish that there was just a, a magical thing I could say or just a moment where it all goes away. And I believe that God will eventually rescue you and deliver you from the well that you're living in. But I'm telling you, until that happens, you can experience the full power and presence of God even in your dark place. Even in your darkness. Even in the belly of a well, you can experience the full power and presence of God. Before you are delivered from the situation, God can speak to you in the situation. I don't know what your condition is, but I know what your position can be. I don't know what your condition in life might be, 
but I know what your position in Christ can be. And you're only one prayer away from experiencing the full presence and power of God in your life. You're only one prayer away. So I implore you this morning to trust your Savior and not your senses. (laughs) It may look bleak, it may smell bleak, it may taste bleak, it may sound bleak, it may feel bleak, but you are one moment away from being transformed into God's presence. That God can reach even in the belly of a well and give you His power and give you His comfort and give you His peace. I believe that one day you will be delivered from the belly of the well into God's ultimate purpose for your life. I believe that with all my heart. But I'm saying until that happens, you can still experience the power and presence of God. One lie that you cannot believe is that God only hears the prayers of people who are in a good place at a good time. In a good, like God hears prayers no matter where you are. The psalmist said, Lord, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. And even if I descend into the belly of hell, you are there. Amen. That I don't know what your, position, your condition is, but I know what your position can be. One prayer away. Can we stand across the room? I'm so grateful for God's word today. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray, first of all, for those of you that, that are in a belly of well experience. That maybe it's your own decisions. You know, maybe it's the decisions of other people. You know, the sailors that were caught up in the storm and the ship almost capsized on them. The sailors were in that condition because of the sin of Jonah. One lie our culture tells us is that our decisions only affect us and that we all have the right to do what we want and say what we want and be who we want because it's all about individual rights. But the Bible teaches us that we are related and connected to one another and that my decisions affect you. And your decisions affect me. It was Jonah's sin, but it was a sailor storm. (laughs) Your sin can cause a storm for someone else. And their sin can cause a storm for you. So I don't know why your storm happened. I don't know how you got into the belly of a well. Maybe it was your own rebellion. Maybe it was the decisions of someone else. Maybe it's just life. You know, that happens sometimes where there's no no one's fault. Life just sucks sometimes, right? (laughs) It just is what it is. Like, there's not a better way to put it. It just does. I don't know how you got there. But here's what I do know. That when we pray this prayer, you may be a a little while from being delivered out of the well, but you can be delivered in the well. It may be a little while before your conditions change, but right now your position can change. So I'm going to pray. And I really believe that someone here today is about to experience a positional shift from the belly of the well to the presence of God. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much for the comfort that your word offers and brings. Well, there are people here today that I have no doubt, people here today that are, that are walking in heaviness and people that are, are not sure what the next steps are, people that don't see another option. But God, we know that you have options that we have yet to consider. God, we know that sometimes we tell you that either A needs to happen or B needs to happen, and you say you haven't considered C, D, E, F, G, because I I know options that you don't know about. And so, God, for those that are in the belly of a well, those that are enduring a great storm, 
I pray that they will feel your presence, feel your peace, feel your power, even in the midst of weakness. And God, we know that the storm and the fish are all things that you are using to deliver them into your ultimate purpose. God, help them not to curse the storm, not to curse the belly of the well. God, but to be grateful and thankful for the storm, for the belly of the well, because it's by those things that you're going to get them to their ultimate purpose. Thank you for your presence that we can feel no matter what our external circumstances look like. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to pray one more prayer for you. And that is for those, someone in the room that may not be a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, here's the bad news. Bad things happen in your life. Storms come, bellies of wells come, and there's not always a big purpose behind it. It just happens and deal with it. But what Christians have is a promise from God. And that promise from God is that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So once you become a believer, now God is able to take the storms that you've been through. God is able to take that, those dark moments you've had and whatever your belly of a fish experience was like and transform them into something that brings him glory and helps you fulfill the purpose that he's called you to fulfill. So we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. And we believe that you are just one prayer away. One prayer away from being transported from the mess you've made of your own life into the very presence of God. Let's pray together. Everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, for, for your sacrifice. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for having faith in me when I didn't have faith in you. Lord, I know I've not always made the best decisions. But today I'm deciding to put my trust in you so that you can bring me into your purpose for my life. Forgive me. Empower me. And bring me into your will. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we just want to celebrate with you today. Just let us see your hand. That will be a lot. Amen. Amen.